Okay, are you sitting comfortably? Good. And I shall begin. Start by reading from Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 19, familiar passage, halfway through the Beatitudes, Sermon on the Mount. Verse 19 says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them all. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? Verse 33, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you as well. Amen. Okay, I'm going to start by recommending a, uh, we have a resource called Right Now Media. Uh, it's readily available. If you've not already subscribed to that, go on the website, you can find it. But there's a series on there by uh, a teacher called Andy Stanley, who I'm going to refer to probably a few times today because he's just got great material on this. And this series is called If Money Talked. Uh, what, what would money tell you? If money could talk, what would it tell you? And as, as part of that, uh, one, one of the messages that he puts across is, is this. Essentially, there are five things you can do with money. Okay, you can subcategorize these a little bit, but, but the first thing you can do is to spend it. Dare I say, we're all pretty good at that. Second thing we can do is repay our debts, depending on how much you've spent or, dare I say, misspent. The third thing you can do is, is pay your taxes which is a smart move if you want to keep the HMRC happy. The fourth thing you can do is save it. And the fifth thing you can do is to give it away if you've got any left over. And Andy Stanley says this, he said that I suspect that for most of us, that is the order actually that we do those in. And then he makes an observation, which was quite striking, I thought. If you go through that list again, if you look at them, the first one, spending, well, that's for me. The second one, uh, repaying out, make sure I get these right, repaying our debts, that one's for me as well. The third one, paying our taxes, yeah, that's also for me. You could argue that's for the government, but ultimately it is for you because if you don't pay them, they will come and get you. Fourth one, saving. Yeah, yeah, that one's for me as well. Finally, the last one, this number five, that's giving. That one's for God and for others. And so Andy Stanley says, actually, it goes me, 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 God and others. See the slight problem with that? 
problem with that is that God comes in last. If we haven't spent it all, if we don't owe it all, if the government doesn't come and take it all, perhaps God will get some. Andy Sandy describes it as this. He describes it as me first living with leftover giving. What I want to do this morning is I, I want to spend some time demonstrating to you and hopefully convincing you that this is not only upside down, but also quite possibly the source of any, if not all, of your financial angst. Let's look again at what Jesus said in Matthew 6. He said, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, but store up for yourselves treasure instead in heaven. This wonderful line, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And he goes on to say, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, down to verse 28, bit we missed out. Why do you worry about clothes? It says, you have little faith. So do not worry saying, what should we eat or what should we drink or what should we wear? And then the punchline, verse 33, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. And here's, here's Jesus' message in all of this. It goes something like this. How easily we get lost worrying about what we eat and what we wear and what we do? How much time and energy do we spend worrying about and chasing after and investing in the affairs of this life, in our jobs, our material possessions, our relationships, health and fitness, paying our bills, our pensions, our savings? And he's saying not that those things are unimportant in their own right, But verse 33 provides a crucial perspective shift that we all need to catch. Matthew 6, verse 33, in the Amplified Version says, Seek, aim at, and strive after first, first of all, his kingdom and his righteousness, his way of doing right, doing and being right. And then all these things taken together will be given you besides. Here's the the crucial message. Here's the perspective shift. It's crucial that we learn to put first things first. The problems come when we get confused about what comes first. Jesus makes it clear. He says, the first thing you should seek above all, before everything else, Jesus said, is my kingdom and my righteousness. He goes on essentially to say the point is this, if you get first things first, then the good news is that everything else will fall into line. Now, here's an illustration, which I always use for this. You may have heard it before. I apologize. It just entertains me. And it's this. In, there, there was huge controversy back in the 16th century where Nicholas Copernicus claimed that contrary to universal belief, excuse the pun, the earth was not at the center of the universe, but the sun, deep inhalation of breath. And actually the planets revolved around the sun. Wow. What what audacity. 
What impudence? Doesn't, you mean it doesn't all revolve around us? Surely everyone knows we are at the centre of it all. You know, the great theologian, revered Martin Luther, described Copernicus as a fool. His strongest opponent was a Catholic priest named Francesco Ingoli. He described heliocentric theory as philosophically untenable and theologically heretical. Galileo, who also advocated for heliocentric theory, that's the planets revolving around the sun at the center, he was condemned for heresy by the Inquisition. He was forced to recant and he died under house arrest. All looks rather silly in hindsight. You know, the sun is 1.3 million times bigger than the earth. You know, given, given correct alignment and rotation and gravitational forces, everything hangs in perfect balance and, and stability is maintained. I mean, frankly, we could lose a moon here or there and not a lot happens. If we lose the sun, we're all in big trouble. Similarly, the, the spiritual universe is all meant to revolve around God rather than us. Which is why we sing Jesus be the center. You see, if Jesus is at the center of, of our life, he's at the center of our home and our society, our church, then there is balance, that there is order, what the Hebrews called shalom. But as soon as he is dethroned, we are in big trouble. Just read the Old Testament and look at those dear old Israelites. See, systems that, that put anything else in God's place are doomed to failure. And if we try to make the world revolve around us, it's just not going to work. Matthew 6, verse 33, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Matthew 22, verse 37, Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. So here's the big question. What or who comes first in your life? The word first speaks of, it speaks of order, it speaks of rank, it speaks of honour, it speaks of foundation and priority and influence. So who or what, Matthew 22, do you love first? Who or what? Matthew 6, 33, do you seek first? Here's a little saucy question for you. What would your bank account reveal about who you love first and who you seek first? It's a wonderful story uh, in the New Testament about, about busy Martha and doting Mary. Luke chapter 10. Uh, verse 41 says, The Lord answered, Martha, Martha, you're worried and upset about so many things. 
But only one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen what is best and it will not be taken from her. What did those two ladies, what did they each put first? Well, Martha chose activity. Mary chose to sit at Jesus' feet. Judas Iscariot, he chose money. The Pharisees chose the law. The rich young ruler chose his wealth. Pilate chose an easy life. We must choose Jesus. It's the best decision we could ever make. It's the only way we're going to get where we really want to go. And of course, the good news is if we do that, then everything else will fall into line. If we do that, your life will change beyond measure. And if you do that, you will hit all the other targets that you are aiming for. And here's the scoop. The scoop is that that principle applies in your financial world too. Today I want to show you what I'm going to call the principle of the first. And it goes something like this. In the Old Testament, there were three particular ways that God showed his people the importance of putting him first. Three demands he made to, to reinforce this principle three specific aspects of their worship that God required. And they were the firstborn, the first day, and the first fruits. And before I dive into that, it's important to note, worship is not about an egotistical, demanding and attention-craving God. It's, it's, not, it's not worship is not demanded to make him feel good and us feel insignificant. God isn't bored up there in heaven, so he needs us to sing for his entertainment. God knows that if we get everything, God knows what happens if we get everything in the right order, and he knows what happens if we don't. And and so to facilitate that, God requires that we give him worship to make sure that our lives are properly aligned. And so for the Old Testament Hebrews, God taught and demonstrated that in in these three special ways. What I'm calling the principle of the first, the firstborn, the first day, and the first fruits. Quick look at those. Number one, the firstborn belongs to God. Exodus 13 verse one, the Lord said to Moses, dedicate to me every firstborn among the Israelites. The first, offering, off, the first offspring to be born of both humans and animals belongs to me. Now, in ancient cultures, the, there was huge, great importance and value and significance attached to the firstborn son. And he was your, your primary heir. He was the very future of your bloodline. He was given special rank and privilege. Think back in the Old Testament of Jacob stealing Esau's birthright. Think of the significance of Jacob giving Joseph that fancy coat of many colours. Jesus, of course, is, is described as God's firstborn. God's firstborn, it says, among many brothers and sisters. He's also described as the firstborn over all creation. He's also described as the firstborn 
from among the dead. So what did, what, did God de- what did God decree? Exodus 13, the Lord said to Moses, dedicate to me every firstborn among the Israelites. The first offspring to be born of both humans and animals belong to me. The word dedicate means, means to set apart to a sacred purpose. It means to declare holy. It means to offer formally. And it applied both to your children and also to your livestock. Why? Here's the principle, because God gets the first. Number two is the first day. Acts 20, verse 7. On the first day of the week, we came together to break bread. We see throughout the Bible, Old Testament and New Testament, the principle of setting aside one day a week to the Lord. It's called the Sabbath. It's called the Lord's Day. Acts 20 here describes it as the first day. We had a wonderful dear old saint in the church in Collingwood called Roy Clark, and he insisted that Monday wasn't the first day of the week. He insisted that Sunday be called the first day of the week. Why? Because the first day, the first day goes to the Lord. And so consecrating that, that first parcel of time is a powerful principle for many reasons. I think it's fair to say society has rather lost that. I recommend that you cling to it, that God gets the first. And then number three is first fruits. Proverbs 3 verse 9 and 10. Honour the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruit of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing. Amen. And your vats will brim over with new wine. The principle is the Hebrews were required to give to the Lord the first and best of the harvest. Exodus 23, 19. Bring the best of the first fruits of your soil to the house of the Lord your God. Incidentally, notice where you were to take it. Deuteronomy 26, verse 2. Take some of the first fruits of all that you produce from the soil of the land the Lord your God has given you and place them in a basket. Then go to the place the Lord your God will choose as a dwelling for his name. Goes right back to, to Genesis chapter 4. Cain's offering of the, of the fruit of the ground. Abel's bringing the, the firstborn of his flock. Now, of course, that story didn't end very well. But the imperative in Proverbs 3 verse 9 it is to honour God with your wealth. And how do you do that? You do that with the first fruit of all your crops. Now, if you read that in context, you read the rest of Proverbs 3 around it, you'll see there's a deep significance in that. We might look at this another week. Verse 5, if you remember, of Proverbs 3, we quote often says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Verse 7 says, Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. See, this comes down to who are you trusting as your source and supply? comes down to what or whom do you fear? What financial wisdom are you drawing on? And this ties right in 
with Jesus' teaching in Matthew chapter 6. Do not store up for yourself treasures in heaven, but store up for yourselves treasures. Sorry, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Here's the point. God knows that what has hold of your heart has hold of you. So we have to, we have to constantly search and examine and guard our hearts. What Jesus is saying here is that your heart will always follow your treasure. And your treasure will always follow your heart. So if you're too heavily invested in the pursuit of earthly and material things, you are at risk. God knows that. Hence, the principle of the first. See, the problem is, is not that you have possessions. It's when your possessions start to possess you. If they begin to worm their way into your heart and affections, they start to come between you and God. So here's a couple of challenge questions. I'm going to say them with a grin and smile so don't get too cross with me. Sorry if these are tough, but these are important questions. Question number one, who has control of your wallet? He is Lord. He is Lord. He is. Who has control of your wallet? Number two, what are the determining factors in your financial decisions? Another one, what does your bank statement reveal about who or what has your heart? Number four, does giving it away as a rule, does that cause you pain or does that cause you pleasure? Final one, how high does, does honouring God come up your list of financial priorities? Remember, God isn't after your money, but he is after your heart. You know, God's call for us to honour him with the first fruits is not because God is hard up. It's not because there is a looming recession in heaven. It's because as we give, materialism loses its grip. As we give, generosity, which is God's nature, starts to take hold in our hearts. And then Jesus becomes Lord of our financial world. Verse 24, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. You have to choose. The good news is if any of this is, is kind of convicting your heart, you know, that sort of gentle Holy Spirit prick or nudge. The good news is this is reversible. You can force it the other way around. But verse 21 again, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. 
if your heart is, is following your treasure in the wrong direction, and send it in another direction. You can intentionally and strategically aim your treasure at the things of God. And you know what? That will compel your heart to follow. That will make sure your heart is serving the right Lord. I realize that's a little bit tough, so I'm going to give you some good news. The good news is that this principle, the principle of the first, the principle of honouring God with the first fruits, comes with some pretty extravagant and lavish promises. Let's read the rest of Proverbs 3, shall we? Honour the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruit of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. Proverbs 11:24. One man gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. And of course, Matthew uh, 6, verse 33. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. See, God knows what happens if we get everything in the right order, and what happens if we don't. Flip, of course, is if, it, if it's you first, that's a slippery slope that leads to all sorts of issues, which is why God established for those Hebrews the principle of the first. Because if God truly has your treasure, then he truly has your heart, which means he truly has you. That opens the door to the fullness of his favour and his blessing. Amen. I'm going to uh, finish with an illustration. This is my dear friend, Andy Stanley. I wish we were friends, kind of internet friends, podcast friends for 20 years. Anyway, he does an illustration and, and, um, and what he does is he, he, he has 10 pound coins, which I happen to have in my pocket, quite by coincidence. Um, and he says, this is, this, is the way, this is the way I recommend it works. He said, this is what, what I taught my kids. He said, if you imagine this 10 pound coins to be your all, which it might be, in my case it is, then, then, then what should you do? The first one, the first one goes to God, right? First, Bruce, the treasure, stick that there. Good, okay, got that done. First one's gone to God. The second one goes to yourself. You know, a bit of financial margin security. It's going in there. Which leads you, goodness, gives you aid to live on, to, to sort of fit your affordable lifestyle into that 80%. What do I do with this? I think I ought to give it to Catherine and the boys, really. They're pretty good at spending it for me. <laughs> and you go spread that out amongst yourselves. You get most of it. Catherine gets one. Good, okay. Excellent, that's that sorted. Where am I going? Yeah, I thought of a slogan. I was very pleased with myself. I thought of a slogan that sums this up. It's going to appear on the screen now. You're going to be in awe. Then it goes this. Give God your best. Prepare your nest. See what I did there? And live off the rest. Thank you. I didn't even get that from Andy Stanley. Now, just, just to finish off, remember that original list that we had right at the start, that the five things you can do with your money. 
See, what that does, what those 10 coins do, is it actually reverses that order, and all of a sudden things are the right way up, as they should be. See, first of all, number one at the top of the list, you give the first and the best to the Lord. Very biblical principle. The second thing is you, that you then do is you ensure you have some money saved for the future, for, for contingency. Uh, Chanta Murray, after service, he's got his finger on the pulse with the money, as you can imagine. He said that if you ask people how much money they think they've got set aside just in case it rains or it crashes or they lose their job, you know, and the expected you know, answer is like, you're supposed to have about three months set aside. And most people assume they've got three months set aside, but actually the statistic Murray came up with, people have 24 days worth of money in reserve. That's a bit scary, isn't it? One, give the first and best order. Two, ensure you have money saved. Three, pay your taxes. Otherwise, important people get grumpy. Number four, repay your debts. Because if you follow all these principles, we won't have in the future anyway. And then number five, feel free to, to spend what remains on an affordable and a balanced and a God-honoring lifestyle. Okay, let's wrap this up. I'm going to give you a very, very simple response today. Perhaps the worship team would like to gather and assemble and get ready. That would be great. The principle of the first. Love God first. Seek his kingdom first. Give to God first. Because God knows that if you put him first, everything else will fall into line. So there's a very, very simple challenge question for you today. And that's this, what comes first for you? What comes first for you? What I'm doing is I'm going to encourage you to take that to the Lord this morning.